Orthodox Journey. A missionary activity of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society, working under the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia, presents The Neo-Martyrs, a podcast series exploring the lives, times and virtues of those saints who witnessed for Christ under Ottoman rule. This is The Neo-Martyrs. neo-martyrs of the Ottoman Empire shine as bright beacons of steadfastness and love towards God throughout the various trials and sufferings of their martyrdoms. Typically, upon being arrested, these saints face three interrogations as mandated by Islamic law, which was enforced by a qadi, a judge, and other judicial and administrative officials. The purpose of these interrogations was to persuade the Orthodox Christian to convert to or to return to the Islamic faith if they had departed from it. The Ottoman legal system at the time of the Neo-Martyrs was a mixture of Islamic law, the laws made by the Sultan, precedent from earlier cases, and the religious laws of the minorities. With the exception of the laws of the religious minorities, these were interpreted by the Qadi, who was the religious judge for Islam. The non-Muslims, Zimma, had their own courts applying their own religious law separate from the Islamic courts, which were only applied to disputes between two people of the same religion. Since the neo-martyrs were often accused of the offence of abandoning Islam, they were not able to be tried under the orthodox laws, which were administered by the ecumenical patriarchate. The law applying to the neo-martyrs was the law applying to the Muslims of the Ottoman Empire. Orthodox Christians suffered greatly under this legal system, which was geared towards repressing the non-Muslims and towards benefiting the Muslim population of the empire. Despite these difficult, discriminatory conditions, many Orthodox Christians on trial remained firm in their beliefs and were often very passionate in their declarations of faith. For instance, when the four crypto-Christian neo-martyrs Emmanuel, Anazina, George and Maria were sentenced to beheading at court and asked to deny Christ so they might live, they did not deny their faith, but instead boldly answered, We were born Christians and we will die Christians. These words were said by countless neo-martyrs. Many of these saints, when they were brought before Ottoman crowds and authorities, courageously preached, that Christianity is the true faith. One saint who did this was Saint Constantine, the servant from Hydra. Saint Constantine was born into a Christian family on the Greek island of Hydra. At the age of 18 years old, he moved to Rhodes 
where he was employed in the house of the Bassar of the island. During this time period, Constantine converted to Islam, most likely due to the comforts he was afforded in the service of the Bassar. After around three years passed, Constantine began to feel immense guilt for his rejection of the Orthodox faith. He decisively settled on atoning for his apostasy by becoming a martyr for Christ. Constantine then went to confession and revealed his desire to sacrifice his life. However, the father confessor guided him to delay these plans in case he was weakened before torture due to his youthfulness. In obedience, Constantine left Rhodes and travelled to Crimea where he lived for three years as an Orthodox Christian. Later, he travelled to Constantinople where he found an experienced elder who he confessed to and spoke to about his plans for martyrdom. This elder introduced him to the patriarch of the time, St. Gregory V, who was elated at Constantine's return to the faith. But seeing his youth, instead of giving him his blessing to martyr for Christ yet, sent him to the holy mountain to fight the devil who had previously conquered him. At Mount Athos, Constantine dwelled at the Iviron Monastery and readied himself with prayer and fasting for five months. Upon receiving blessings from the fathers of the monastery, he returned to Rhodes where he confessed his sins to a priest and explained his intention for martyrdom. The priest also counseled him to wait, but Constantine could wait no longer. Before going to the Bassa's place, Constantine prayed fervently to God to strengthen him. Then he appeared before the Bassa and boldly rejected Islam, confessing his faith. At first, the Bassa did not recognize his old servant, as he was dressed in a black monastic cassock and cap. The Bassa soon realized that it was Constantine, but told him to follow Sharia law and wear traditional Islamic white garments so as to be distinguishable from Christians and be venerated by them. The Bassa also promised him money if he returned to Islam. In response, Constantine exclaimed, Why do you not acknowledge Christ? Behold the true light and be counted worthy of his kingdom together with the angels and saints. As a result, the Bassa threw Constantine into jail. After three days, the angry Bassa returned to Constantine, who repeated his words to the Bassa from a few days earlier. Ablaze with fury, the Bassa ordered his soldiers to torture Constantine. They beat him without mercy, uprooted the hair on his head, tore his flesh with nails, and smashed his jaw with stones. Even though Constantine was tortured half to death, his only response was, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. After these tribulations, Constantine was imprisoned again. The following day, he was brought before the Bassa, who fruitlessly attempted to sway Constantine with kindness. Consequently, Constantine was severely beaten with 500 blows on his back and the bottom of his feet. Once again, the humble servant of God's only response was, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. Believing him to be dead, the soldiers placed Constantine back in jail. However, when the soldiers returned in three days to displace his body for burial, they were shocked to find Constantine healed. Brought before the Bassar again, who tried to flatter him into adopting Islam, 
Constantine stated, My master Christ visited me in jail and healed my wounds and restored the nails on my feet. So I worship him who is the physician of souls and bodies. I beg you, open the eyes of your soul and come and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Mad with anger, the Basa commanded Constantine to be imprisoned yet again, with his feet locked into wooden stocks for three days, which caused him unbearable pain. However, Constantine endured this trial silently in prayer. One night in jail, when darkness surrounded all of the prisoners, a divine light and sweet fragrance filled the cells and the praying Constantine was released from his bonds. When the prison soldiers reported this incident to the Basar, he threatened them and the other prisoners to stay silent about it, as it was an affront to Islam. Frightened by this miracle in prison, the Basar avoided bringing Constantine to court. Instead, he ordered that the holy youth be tortured unceasingly. When a Turkish prayer leader tried to strike Constantine's face, he was punished by divine justice as his hand instantly blackened. Following this miracle, no one dared touch the saint who remained locked in prison. Every ten days, a Christian would visit Constantine and bring him Holy Communion so that he might be physically and spiritually strengthened. The Basa was nervous about executing Constantine as he was worried about the influence at the Turkish court of the Hydriots, Constantine's fellow countrymen. In angst, he wrote to an Orthodox Christian admiral, Captain George, seeking his advice. When Constantine found out about this correspondence, he quickly wrote Captain George a letter himself, begging him not to prevent his martyrdom. Captain George did as Constantine wished, by writing to the Bassar that he remained indifferent to the fate of Constantine. After the Bassar received the captain's letter, he tried to change Constantine's mind one last time. Unwavering in his faith, Constantine declared, I can in no way deny my Christ, even if you cut up my body into thousands of pieces. Whatever you do, do it quickly, because my Lord awaits me. The saint knew that his death was near, as three days earlier Christ had shown him that his martyrdom was approaching. Thus, on November the 14th, 1800, Constantine was hanged and received the eternal crown of martyrdom. St. Constantine's life is truly remarkable. His repentance was overflowing with sincerity, leading him to fully commit his life from that point onwards to Christ, even though he knew that it meant enduring hardship. So tremendous was his zeal and love for the Orthodox faith that even in the face of tribulation, he courageously preached the truth. In general, when the faith and beliefs of the neo-martyrs were challenged, they did not yield to temptation and deny Christ, but rather they embraced their cross and their faith. Their words of speech at these critical moments were inspired by the Holy Spirit. This brings to mind Christ's words, that when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. The Holy Spirit also strengthened St. Constantine 
to withstand all of the extreme tortures that he suffered without a single complaint. Throughout all his suffering, he only humbly said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. It's important for us to recognize that in difficult moments, for one to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, as St. Constantine was, does not simply happen instantly. It requires constant cultivation of our faith on our part through spiritual struggle every day, as demonstrated by St. Constantine in the years after his return to orthodoxy. We must remember too that God will never abandon us through our trials. For if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not stand by us who he lovingly created in his own image? As seen in the martyrdom of St. Constantine, Christ never ceased to support and care for the saint, even appearing in his prison cell where he fully healed the saint's wounds and granted him more courage and grace. These aspects of St. Constantine's martyrdom serve as shining examples of how we ought to react to and bear our own challenges in life, whether they be related to faith or otherwise. Most of the neo-martyrs suffered many tortures before, in between, and after their interrogations and trials. The Ottomans usually first tried to turn Orthodox Christians away from Christ through flattery and bribery. They tempted them with riches, gifts, a spouse, honorable positions, and careers amongst other things. When such attempts were not effective, the Ottomans turned to barbaric methods. Christians were often trampled by horses, parts of their bodies were burnt, they were partially skinned, buried alive up to their necks, and almost all were beaten at some point with whips and rods. All of these tortures were intended to inflict the most excruciating pain and suffering. The Ottomans thought that such torture would dissuade Christians who had become Muslims from returning to orthodoxy. However, it had the opposite effect, inspiring many people to love Christ. For instance, when the Ottomans tortured St. Theophanes by whipping him a total of 1,300 times, he remained in prayer. His prayer was so powerful and heartfelt that a white dove appeared above his head, immersing the saint in its light. The Turks, who witnessed this miracle, confessed their belief in Christ and were overcome with joy. Clearly, the saints were determined to continue to witness for Christ through all these tortures, even to the point of death. The Ottomans' efforts were in vain, because the neo-martyrs were established on the unshakable rock of Christ. Empowered by their deep love for God and the power of the cross, the neo-martyrs responded to their tortures with humility, patience, love, and great forbearance. The life of the neo-martyr Saint Chrysia illustrates these virtues. Saint Chrysia was a very beautiful young Bulgarian woman who lived in the village of Slatina, a province in Maglena, Bulgaria. She was one of four daughters in a poor Christian family. Although she lacked possessions and wealth, she was enriched by her fervent love and faith in God. Due to her immense beauty, a certain Muslim desired her. Thus, one day while she was gathering wood in the forest, he kidnapped her. 
In vain, the Muslim attempted to convert her to Islam so that he could take Khrisir as his wife. The steadfast servant of God, Khrisir, who was truly golden in both name and purpose, responded to him, I believe in my Christ, and only him do I worship and acknowledge as my bridegroom. I will not deny him ever. Even if you were to inflict upon me countless tortures or cut up my body in small pieces, after consistent failed efforts to convert Khrisir, consisting of flattery and marriage offers, the Muslim man gave up. He handed her over to a group of Muslim women who for six months endeavoured to persuade her to accept Islam and deny the Saviour Christ. Upon realising how unwavering Khrisir's faith was, the Muslims proceeded to threaten the saint's family with physical harm if they did not try help to convince Khrisir to reject orthodoxy. Even though they were unwilling, motivated by fear, Khrisir's parents and sisters visited her and with streams of tears begged her to change her mind. They said to her, Dearest daughter, take pity on yourself and on us your parents and on your sisters. We are all in danger of being destroyed because of you. Deny Christ for the sake of appearances so you can save yourself and us. Christ is compassionate and he will forgive you this sin committed by necessity and due to force. However, Khrisid did not yield to their request, as her love for God was more powerful than her love for her family. She courageously replied to them, You who urge me to deny Christ, the true God, are no longer my parents and my sisters, nor do I wish to know you as such in the future. In your place I have the Lord Jesus Christ, as my father, the Lady Theodokos as my mother, and the saints as my brothers and sisters. When the Muslims finally understood that they were incapable of persuading Khrisir through words and flattery, they began physically punishing the saint. For over three months, Khrisir was subject to tortures, including being beaten continuously, having part of her skin stripped off, having hot irons applied to her body, in the meantime, St. Chrysia heard that her spiritual father, Father Timothy, was nearby. She sent word to him through another Orthodox Christian, entreating him to pray to the Lord for her so that he might consider her worthy enough to end her martyrdom in a manner pleasing to him. Eventually, after realizing that St. Chrysia's love for Christ was unshakable, the Muslims cruelly strung her upon a hook like a lamb and then cut up her holy body into small pieces until she died. The saint martyred for Christ in her hometown of Slatina on October the 13th in the year 1795, thus being crowned with the double wreath of virginity and martyrdom. Saint Chrysia's martyrdom is one of many examples highlighting the cruelty of the Ottomans and how intent they were on attacking the Christian faith. The warfare, both mental and spiritual, which St. Chrysia endured was immense. When the Muslims coerced her family to beg the saint to reject Christ, one can only imagine the thoughts of sympathy, hesitation and doubt to which St. Chrysia could have succumbed. Where the Ottomans failed in changing a Christian's mind, they restored to physically attacking their five senses. 
Saint Chrysie, in this phase of her martyrdom, shone forth as gold in the darkness of torches. She epitomized the words of Saint Simeon Metaphrastis, the soul that is held fast in the bonds of love for God deems suffering as naught, but exults in pains and thrives in hardships. It is often easy for us as Christians living in the modern world to get caught up in temporal, material matters that have no true value or significance. However, we must struggle to cast our full attention to nourishing and strengthening our relationship with Christ instead, so that when battles or temptations come our way, we are able, like Saint Chrissy, to be victorious. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of The Orthodox Journey. To keep up to date with our podcast, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or head to orthodoxjourney.com where you can find even more Orthodox articles, talks, sermons and podcasts.